Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Got a fun one for you guys here on this lovely Tuesday, January the 25th. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris, and I am joined by my good buddy, Adam King. Good morning, Adam. Good afternoon, Dan. I got to do it. Uh, I, you know I yep. got to do it. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. We'll it, it can become a thing. <laughs> Why not? I'm the only, I'm definitely the only person that still enjoys it, and yet I don't care. How are you today, good sir? How's it uh, How's it going? Uh, well, what did we talk? We talked like two weeks ago, right? wasn't it, wasn't that long ago? Yeah, been yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. We we headed away last week for a break, um, which was nice. Um, kids got to do plenty of swimming. That's all they care about when we go on <laughs> on a holiday. Uh, so that was that was nice, um, and we're sort of slowly ramping back up to to normalcy here. Kids kids are back at school next week. Um, I'll be back in the office next week. My wife's back in the office tomorrow. So yeah, we're starting to to sort of get ready to return to normal life. I feel like I need to remind listeners that it's summer where you mm. are. That's uh... That might be a point of slight confusion. Although I guess, you know, people could go swimming in Los Angeles these days. It was like 76 last week out here. Um, So Adam, you, well, first of all, you can follow Adam on Twitter at AdamKing91. He is, of course, one of our editors here at Sports Ethos, dominant sort. You guys, by the way, uh, shout out to all the work that you and Panda and Eric and Steve and your team have been doing uh, on the blurb feed. I've been trying to, to hammer that here on the podcast, but you guys have gotten that thing up to... Uh, a very, very high rate. Like, you're getting news out as fast as some of the places that don't even have analysis. So, golf clap. I'll give you a little golf clap yeah. here at the front end of the show. Well done, sir. Well done. You can follow me on Twitter, listeners, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. But I want to tell people quickly here what you came up with as kind of a fun middle-of-the-season project, and it was a 10-team draft for right now it's not a next year draft can you fill in some of the details on that yeah so look a lot of a lot of the questions we get uh on twitter and in discord and and multiple other places uh, are to do with rest of season value and who are we stashing um would we would we take this player over this player in a trade and so i just thought there's nothing else going on, so let's do a draft. Um, so we got ten analysts in, and it's a, it's basically if you look at it, once it's done, it's basically a top 120 ranking um, for the rest of the season. So how where we see player value for the rest of the season. So it's not um, for next year. This is not a look not ahead. Not for next year. No, no. So this is just for the rest of this season. Uh, and so I've already had a couple of questions on Twitter. Um, one that I had was, which I haven't answered yet, which I will get to, was would you trade? Uh, so this person who contacted me had Malcolm Brogdon and they'd been offered Kobe White and Devin Vassell wanting to know whether we would make that or whether I would make that trade or we would make that trade. And he he referenced back to to our top 120 and said, based on the draft you did yesterday, this is a no-brainer. And that's because Brogdon wasn't even drafted. Right. Um, so gives that gives people a, a bit of an insight into 
where we see Brogdon at the moment and how for the rest of the season, whereas Kobe White and Devin Vassell were both drafted. So based on that, yes, you would make that hmm. trade. So this is really, it's almost like a group sourced top 120 where not any one individual of you did 120, but all together competing with one another, this is how the players got slotted in. So this is kind of a cool exercise. If a bunch of analysts got together and built a top 120, a rest of season projections without talking to one another, fighting for the players they wanted, this is what it would look like. Um, I assume that the results, folks can find them somewhere on Twitter, yeah? Yeah, so I posted a list yesterday, last last night, um, just a, a written list of the, of the, the order, uh, 120, the, the order they were drafted in, so people can find it there. And, and I might, now that I've done a screenshot, I hadn't done one, but I have now to send to you. <laughs> Thank I you for that, that, by the way. <laughs> on Twitter uh, as well. And, and I think that's, a good point where you said this is a, a collective projected top 120 for the rest of the season, but without actually talking to each other. If if for anyone that watched the live feed or, or there is a, there's a, a there's a podcast, um, Mike Catron um, did that live on his Twitch channel. Just so I was on there with Mike and with Adam Koffler, and there was a lot of sniping going on, even just between us three because we picked pick six seven and eight and there was quite a bit of um one of us sort of going ah like because the other person took our player um or, or someone else in the draft took our player so i think that just highlights that we were all on a similar page in terms of where we view players um even though we didn't talk about it obviously beforehand we're all of the same opinion um, or a very similar opinion on where players should be should be ranked rest of season. I like this. It does play out a little bit like a beginning of season draft because of that competitive part of it. Where if it was just if it was just a projected top 120, I think there'd be a little bit of a safety element that comes into play like oh well this guy's probably going to be, you know, top 1 top or I guess it wouldn't be top. I think this guy's going to be number 118 or something like that. Uh which is, to me, that's kind of a boring thing to look at. Who do you think is going to be number 118 the rest of the way? But if it's everybody fighting for whoever they think might have the ability to go a little higher than that, that's where the back end of a draft comes into play. But what I thought we might be able to do uh, in our visit here today, however, however many minutes we've got, is pick out some of the more interesting ones and, you know, again, you know, there isn't that consensus part of it. It's possible that one person felt this way, but maybe the other nine didn't. But we can just kind of go back and forth. And, Adam, who do you think – doesn't really matter. You don't have to go in order. If you want to go in order, you can go in order. What was kind of uh, the first interesting one that jumped out at you? And if you want to list the team name, you can. I'm probably not going to, uh, but you were there. So if, if you want to <laughs> take some shots, have at it. Uh yeah, look, the first, probably the first interesting one, and we we talked about this on the pod, and we actually we actually called it before we even started the draft. The three of us said, "I wonder where this guy goes, and will he go at number two? And he did. Joel Embiid hmm. went at number two, and and I think that's interesting, just because if you think back, what three four months, whenever the the draft season was, there was no way he was going that high because 
people and nothing to do with Ben Simmons because he he wasn't on the radar as playing pretty much from the get-go. So um, it was all about durability and whether he'd play and that sort of thing. Obviously, that concern has gone a little bit. Um, the fact that he's going above guys like Steph Curry, Carl anthony Towns, Giannis, Doncic shows that us anyway, in terms of the the people that were in the draft, have a little, have some faith now that he will actually be healthy for the remainder of the season. Hmm. Do you think it's just because it is now a shorter ask? It's a smaller ask, not eighty two games. Can you play? You know, thirty some odd, not necessarily in a row, but a higher percentage of them. Do people think that he's done missing games for the year? Because he has missed a handful already, but not like not an overwhelming number. I think he's missed about what, 20% of his team's games to this point? Something middling for Joel? Yeah, so he's played, I don't know how many games they've played, but he has played 35 games. I can pull this um, up for you while you talk. I yeah, gotcha. so look, I think it's probably a combination of things. I think it, it probably is that. It's a smaller sample size. It's not 80 games, it's 40 games. Um, and yeah, look, I, I think he's, Generally, this this season, I mean, he has missed a few games, but there have been quite a few instances where he has played with an injury or through an injury where in previous seasons he may not have done that. Um, so I think that probably just demonstrates that his, his knees, which have always sort of been the issue, are probably in a better place at the moment. And, and the, the team are more confident in getting him out there, even if he does have a little niggle. Um, and then I, I guess it'll be interesting to then see if he does play the majority of the games and he finishes, I mean, he's the fifth ranked player this season. If he finishes as a top five player, which he, he probably will, if he keeps going as he is going, where is he going to go next season? Are people going to translate that confidence to a full 82 game season or will he drop down the rankings again? Um, based on the last three years or four years or whatever whatever it is. I know this is a lame follow-up to that, but don't you feel like that almost has everything to do with how many of their 36 games he plays the rest of the way? I think they have 36 left. Like, if he plays 30 of 36, he'll probably go top five or six mm -hmm. next year. If he plays 22 out of 36... He probably doesn't. By the way, they've played 46 games, so he has actually missed 11 of them. That's a pretty good, you know, now you're talking yeah, about more yeah. like a quarter, roughly. Yep. That's yep. that's that's bigger than I thought. I know it's not like 11 versus 8 or whatever I thought it might have been. Um, he's, he's still missing time out there, though. He is, actually. Yeah, that that's... Um, yeah, I guess that's it was COVID, more... though. Wasn't it mostly COVID this year? Get my facts right. I think it was, and I think that's been... Um, I think that's something that play that um, managers will need to consider next year. So looking at players missed games, but actually figuring out how many of those were COVID because uh, another guy who goes, oh, where did he go? What's that one? Yeah, just segue here. You roll us yeah, into the next so, one. So thir so number th so 33, Chris Stapps Porzingis went at 33. Uh, and he's played... Not many. Uh, where are we? 30, where 31. He's played 31, but I have a feeling, I mean, I don't, I don't have the specific numbers, but I would say at least seven or eight of those were COVID. I think he had a reasonably long absence for COVID. He did, yeah. Um, 
So take those out of it. I mean, he may have injured himself during those games if he'd played, but that bumps him up to sort of 38, <laughs> which is which is fine. Um, given the amount of games that players do miss nowadays, um, I mean, we've got we've got a few players today that are just being rested for no real reason. So, yeah, I, I think people will just have to remember back and and have a look, and maybe that's something we'll come up with on our for the draft thing next season is how many games missed due to COVID, not injury, because. That'll be a factor, I think, in, in draft. Yeah, you know, what's funny is that was actually a big part, and I'm not taking us away from fantasy for a second, but in my sports betting work, handicapping teams that had players that missed a boatload of games for COVID the previous year, and how just based on, you know, sort of a law of averages thing, that seemed like it might level off a bit, but it hasn't really been that case. Like, Boston has been hit again this year. They were one of the worst last season. They were one of the worst this year. Um, Miami had it horrible last year. Theirs hasn't been quite as awful this season, and they've... Well, that team wins with whoever they put on the floor, which is kind of amazing anyway. Um, But that was actually something that I faded. I was like, look, if this team got blistered by COVID, way worse than everybody else in the NBA... I would assume that that doesn't happen again, and that may have been too simplistic because, you know, damn it, I didn't know Omicron was going to come around. You know, (laughs) fie on me for not knowing that we were like three variants away from one that was just going to get everybody. Um, First player on this list that I thought was kind of interesting was John Morant going at 13. Mm. And look, I know he's been amazing, and I thought I would come on a podcast and be able to talk about how maybe John Morant is, is finally going... Uh, or, you know, we know his his fantasy game has finally caught up with his reality game this year, which was always that weird disconnect. He was always way better in real life. I say always, like he'd been in the NBA forever. But real life versus fantasy, and now this year the fantasy's caught up a little bit. But even in what I think we could all argue is about as amazing as he could be right now, he's still number 35. So 13, that's a pretty big leap over 30. Like, if someone told me I could take Ja at 35, I'd say, okay, that's fine. I, I never would have done that last year. But now, now we've seen it. He's holding steady in that range. But getting back up to the turn, there's, you know, either free throw has to become a, a huge positive for him instead of what it is right now, which is a negative, or the turnovers have to come down significantly, which is probably not going to happen because dude has the ball in his hand. But I don't see how the steals go higher. I don't see how the scoring goes much higher, especially if other Grizzlies start to get better around him. How does he go from 35 to 13 the mm. rest of this year even? Because I know we're not talking about next year, so it's not like there's an offseason for him to change his game in some way. No, it was... That was, yeah, um, probably a bit high for me. I mean, on the live stream, we, we moved through it so quickly that we didn't get a chance to talk about every pick. But I think all three of us were, were a little bit surprised, but sort of just glossed over it, I guess, and moved on to the next pick. <laughs> well, fine. Um, I'm sorry for picking one that isn't that interesting. No, but it, it is when you when you put it like that. I mean, he is, as you said, he's the 35th ranked player this season in what feels like a best case scenario thus far um, on a per game basis. I mean, he, he generally is pretty durable, but we have seen him have a couple of reasonably significant injuries 
the last couple of years, although he does seem to recover quite quickly. Um, he's one of those guys that, a lot like Trey Young, um, and whether it's just that they're young, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, know. Remember, I like, don't remember that, but um, he does seem you. to come back quite quickly f- from injuries. Um, so I guess that works in, in his favour. So, mm. yeah, look, I, I'm with you there. I don't see where he makes a lot of improvements, uh, especially given thus far he has played a lot of the season without without either Dylan Brooks or um, who uh, I'm sure they've had another guard who's been out. Yeah, Bain's been out for for the last couple of weeks because of COVID. Um, so there hasn't like I think once they're full strength and have everyone, I don't see how his numbers go up over the back half of the season. Right. If um, the argument was for next year, he fixes his free throw stroke, then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. You're projecting something that I don't really agree with, but at least there's. Yep that thought behind it. Like, this is how you make the next leap forward. Something gets fixed during a five or six month break in NBA. But something that, like, that type of stuff doesn't usually happen mid-season, and that's why this is kind of an interesting note. Um, Also, maybe it's a totals play. It could be a totals play. If you think he's number Hmm. 35 and he doesn't miss a game the rest of the way, then, yeah, he could end up as number 13. But I don't think that's how most folks draft on the turn. They're not not usually looking for a late third per game, super durable guy. If you were going durable, you're probably looking for like a mid second who also plays in most of their games, which, you know, I know you, you took Rudy Gobert a couple, a couple slots later, mm-hmm. strained calf and all, uh, not, a, not an interesting one. We don't need to talk about that. Cause he's, no, he's where he belongs. <laughs> Who's your next guy here? We shuffle along too. Uh, all right, so scrolling, scrolling through. Probably, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. Oh, uh, I mean, we we touched on on this guy, so we can go over him quickly. But Tyrese Halliburton went at pick twenty. Um, I think that was interesting. And oh, did I say Jod thirteen? I forgot it was a ten team. Or sorry, that was Jod eleven. Yeah, eleven. Yeah, eleven. Eleven. Yeah, so Halliburton at twenty. My my apologies to the listeners. Yeah, continue on yes. Halliburton. Sorry. Um, yeah, Halliburton at, at twenty um, is. He's interesting, and I think a lot of people would go, why the hell is Halliburton going to pick 20? Uh, he's a 25th-ranked player so far this season. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's been – and that's scoring 14 points a game. So it's not like it's not like he's scoring his way up. He just does a bit of everything. Um, he doesn't really hurt you anywhere. I mean, he's not a, a huge rebounder, but outside of that, he's, he's pretty good. And I think we've seen – how good he has looked without De'Aaron Fox on the floor. Um, it doesn't. It does sound like the Kings are at least in a public presence. They're invested in in De'Aaron Fox and they're looking at building around him. Uh, but I I think what we've seen is that Halliburton can run the team and and arguably can run it better than De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, he's been amazing. Uh, Halliburton number seventeen over the last two months. Some of those games without De'Aaron Fox. That's part of what has lifted him up. But like you said, he's really quite good in basically eight out of nine categories, rebounding kind of the only one. That's uh, hard to find. He is one slot higher than Steph Curry over the last two months. And I don't think anybody in their right mind would ever assume that that's the case. So as much as I'd like to say Halliburton going too soon here, he's been doing this right now. And the only reason you'd say is this too soon is does everybody realize he's doing it? Um, now, you know, in, in Panda's defense, he wasn't going to have another pick. He is, he's on the front end turn here, so he wasn't going to go again until basically pick 40. 
uh, and he wasn't going to be there at that point. But yeah, I mean, like he should be going in this range and he just sort of might not because it's not as buzzy as some of the mm. other guys on the list. Um, my next guy is, I was going to pick Darius Garland and then we, we talked about this before going on air and then you reminded me it's the rest of this season and not when the Cavs yep. are not decimated by injuries going like after an off season. So I'm not going to do that one. My next one is the Time Lord, Robert Williams uh, at pick 32, which I think is interesting because a lot of people, I bet a lot of people look at that and think that's really high. And I looked at it and I thought, hmm, that's kind of low. He's been incredible after not really a slow start because I think his first game of the year was gigantic and then he kind of hit this weird little lull and he's missed a couple games here and there. But over the last two months, he's number 29, so better than where he was drafted. Over the last month, he's number seven. 10 points, 11 rebounds, a steal, three blocks, 73% from the field, 93% at the free throw line. He has been hyper elite in blocks and field goal percent, better than league average in free throw, low turnovers, good rebounding. Um, Robert Williams has been sneaky awesome, and I actually traded for him in, in a Yahoo Pro League Maybe I shouldn't sound surprised because he doesn't score very much. Is that your take on this one as well? Is just that like most people want to get points early? Or do you think people really feel like he's not inside the top 30 the rest of the way? Because I think he is almost for sure. Yeah, he is one of those guys, I think, um, who doesn't have that. Yeah, he doesn't have the flashy scoring. That, similar to Halliburton, I guess, he, who, yeah. who doesn't rely on scoring. And in a lot of ways, that's that's a good thing. I mean, we've seen players like Draymond Green, who whose value is constantly sort of top eighty minimum, without because they they just have the ability to do a ton of other things. And and as we've seen, Williams has been that player this season. Um, and I mean, you touched on on his really strong categories there, but he's also decent in steals for a center as well who get you a steal mm -hmm. a game um and, and he has shown a, a bit of a um a, a nice passing game as well um he had a he's had at least one triple double i don't know if he's had two but um he's so he has that ability they they they're comfortable running the offense through him so he, he'll go out and get you sort of i mean he's averaging th three assists over the past month but it's not surprising for him to go out and get five or six assists and, and getting that from the center spot is ultra valuable as well. So yeah, no, look, I, I think he's barring injury. And, and I mean, he does seem to get niggles from time to time, but, but outside of that, um, I, yeah, I, I think he's probably a lock to be a, a top 30 player um, at least the rest of the way. Uh, who's your next guy on the board? Uh, okay. Where are we? And I, I don't know why I'm working in order. It just seems easier that way. Uh, again, we don't have to. Yeah, no, no, that's all right. I'll um, I'll sort of slide through a bit and have a look. So Bradley I, Beal at 45 was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Look, Beal. Uh, I mean, we had you know, Kevin sort of going backwards a little bit to come forwards. We had so Kevin Durant went at pick 25. Um. And 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 I mean we're looking at, at players who are injured there obviously with with Durant uh, Lillard I think went right I oh, know where he go about pick eighty or something 
yeah, he went in the eighth round, Damian Lillard. Um, Lonzo Ball went in the last round. So you've got these players that are injured. Um, Durant was probably a little bit high for me, I think, going at 25 there, given we know he's going to miss, what, at least another month, I think. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's just, just looking back. But, yeah, Bradley Beal is an interesting one. Um, he was, I mean, if you remember back again to, to draft season, he was a turn sort of guy, I think, from memory, around around pick 12, um, yeah. similar area to Paul George. Uh, and, and now, yeah, look, he's he's going at 45, and oh, I don't even know what he's ranked this season. I've got him in a team, but it's disheartening to look at the rankings. I think he's down at around 60. Yeah, the 62. turn ended up being a real pain in the butt, which is a shame, too, because I actually liked some of the guys there, like Jimmy Butler was someone mm. that I targeted in a lot of spots. I liked Paul George near the turn. And then Butler missed half the season to this point, and Paul George has been out for half the season and showing no signs of coming back. These guys I thought were all pretty damn good values, and then they all ended up getting hurt. And as you look back at everything again, you're like, oh, so you just really needed to get Nikola Jokic. Like, you just needed to get <laughs> you needed to get first pick, or you needed to be uh, the team that took a chance on Braun in the second or third round. And otherwise, like, everything else... A real, a real mush. But I got a whole offseason to complain about this crap. Um, the hell were we talking about a second? Oh, Bradley Beal. You don't have to talk about Beal. I didn't mean to steer you into it. Oh, no, look, it's it, it, we were wondering where he was going to go. Um, 40 and, and top 40 probably feels about right, I think. Uh, unless, I mean, I, I hope he turns things around and, and gets going. But we haven't seen it so far. I mean, he has looked better. He, his start was really bad. So he has looked better the last little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, beyond him, um, probably the, the one that, and I talked about this a little bit on the live stream was Josh Giddy going at pick 50. Mm, yeah. That's um, pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind it uh, because in terms of playing time and opportunity, it's it's guaranteed. I mean, what else are the Thunder going to do? Um, I don't but, mean yeah, I don't mean and, to be a jerk about this, but isn't there not not a reality standpoint, but from a fantasy standpoint, doesn't his game sting a little bit of the Westbrookian sense? Like one three pointer, a steal, very low percentages, high turnovers. How do you overcome that if you're not also mm. scoring 20-some-odd points a game? I know he had a stretch where the percentages were better, and that was like a two- or three-week haul where he was in the top 50, top 60 range. But if you look at any more extended stretch for him, it always seems to fall back into that 100 to 140. I, I mean, like, I know you can see the outlines, but the question is, is it going to happen this season? Are the percentages going to fix themselves mid-season or... Like, I would look at him as someone maybe more towards next year, which I know I'm a fuddy-duddy. I'm okay with that. Um, I don't know. I just I haven't seen the percentages growth yet. And that doesn't mean it won't happen. I know I'm kind of hedging myself here. Like, these young guys, they do tend to figure it out at some point. You just sort of don't know exactly when that moment is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. And and I'm with you. And, and like, for me, yeah, this, this is too early, um, taking him uh, pick 50 because... At the moment, he really only helps you in two categories, rebounds and assists. That's it. Right. Um, and, and yeah, he has had those games where his shot will be falling and, and that sort of thing. But as you said, even if you look at snapshots of his season last month, last two weeks, last two months, 
His field goal percentage doesn't really get above 43%, and his free throws sort of are pretty... I mean, it, it, it is a short, a small sample size given he's a rookie, but his free throw percentage is, is pretty inconsistent, um, going from 50% up to 70%. And he doesn't get to the line a lot, but you would hope that that becomes a part of his game moving forward, that, that he is able to attack the basket because... He doesn't have a super reliable three-point shot yet, so he needs to find other ways to score. And that's probably going to be getting to the free-throw line a little bit more. And, and if he's only shooting 50%, 60%, then that's going to become a bigger negative than it already is. Next guy that I spotted was Desmond Bean at 56, which kind of feels mean. Dude's been a second-rounder for like two months in a row now. And I know that there's the Dylan Brooks thing, so maybe there's a little bit of a downward adjustment happening there, but why do we think so late on Desmond Bain? It's not like it... I mean, he has been scoring. What does this dude need to do to get respect at this point? Yeah, I think we had a couple of guys like this, and and there has been some chat on Twitter about uh, he was one, um, Anthony Simons was another one, Tyler Harrow was another one, that... Because a lot of us go, like, obviously you go into draft season, you do all your prep, you know your rankings, you know where players are on the draft board. Going into this one, I don't think a lot of us did that prep. We just turned up and drafted. (laughs) Um, good point. And so guys like Bain and like Simons are way down the draft board, and we only did 60-second picks. So... We it was it was moving fast, and so you didn't have time to scroll all the way down. And so unless Bain was sort of front and center in your mind, which he wouldn't be for a lot of people because he doesn't have that name value, um, I think he did fall because when he was picked, we all went, "Oh, Bain, that's that's good mm. getting him there. Like he should have gone a round or two earlier." Um, so I think that was part of it. I, I think it was just he was slightly overlooked because we didn't have that that prep time. So I think getting him here, as you said, is great because he's been a top 45 player for the season um, and probably better than that over the last... I mean, he's out now, obviously, but sounds like he could be back tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and Dylan Brooks is out for, what, another three weeks at least? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like Bain here. I do quite a bit there. Let's do one more each, and then we'll send you off to the rest of your day, since, again, sun is sun is but a rising. It is, yes. Uh, let's have a look through here. Uh, I'm having a lot of trouble, actually, once you get past this point where it's like, well, mm, a lot of shoulder shrugs for me as I look at the rest of this draft. Like, maybe yeah, this, maybe yeah, this makes I, sense. I mentioned to you when we jumped on the call, once, and we... we all of us said this in the, in the draft. Once we got past about round seven, round eight, there was no one on on the draft board that we, that was jumping out at us. We were all sort of scrapping and going, "Oh, I'll take this guy," um, but I'm not particularly excited about it. Uh, so it was it was interesting that it got once we got past about seventy five to eighty players, um, there was no one exciting. I I will probably. I liked Brandon Clark in the 12th. That one I liked. Yeah. I think, so an interesting one, and this is a, a guy who has that name recognition, um, Chris Boucher went in the seventh round. Look at that. Uh, That's so crazy because he's like back where he was on draft yeah. day before yep. burning everybody, and now he's back and he's been roaring for a while yet. 
That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. It's it's been because I don't have him anywhere. Um, and but it's been interesting just watching his uh, his wave of um, production this season. It's been up and down. His minutes have been up and down. He he was a drop at at one point because he just wasn't playing. Um, and then he over a week or two weeks he built his value back up. He seems to have gotten ahead of. Uh, Ken Birch and Precious Chua in the in the coaches sort of good books, and now we've got Gary Trent back, so they they are back to full strength now. But Boucher is, is, is still appears to be sort of uh, appears as though he's going to get twenty twenty two minutes, which is enough for him to be a top eighty top ninety player. So this is about right, I think. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, I admit, I, I held him as long as humanly possible, and even that wasn't long enough at the beginning of the year. And then uh, a few weeks later, and that's the magic of the Toronto Raptors because they play their guys 42 minutes a game. Someone's always going to get hurt on that club. You just mm. have to wait. It's just a matter of time. It's the same damn thing every year. Uh, if you go to the the player rank board and sort by minutes per game, you're always going to find Raptors. And again, this year, they have three of the top six minute-per-game guys. Freddie Van Vliet is number one, and there's nobody yep. close, 38.2 minutes per game. Then it's Harden, Tatum, Braun, Ananobi, and Siakam. Two more Raptors in there. And Scotty Barnes is like number 13 or 14 with 35 and some odd minutes per game. It's the same thing every year. They're never going to play 80 games because they play too many damn minutes per game. So... Uh, that's not to say we should have all stuck it out longer because we all did as long as possible on Boucher. But at some point, Raptors backups are always going to get a shot. That's just yeah. sort of the nature of the beast. Um, I don't know. Am I supposed to pick a last one here? Probably. Uh, hmm. I like Jared so Vanderbilt in, at the end of the 10th. I can think of what, 90, yep. 99? That's a pretty good grab at 99. Um, yeah, he was another one, I think, that, that was a little down in the rankings and we went, oh, because I wanted him. I, I was I was tossing up, taking him with my pick previous to that, but I needed assists. So I took Jalen Brunson um, there and I was hoping Vanderbilt would just fly under the radar and come to me at the next round, but... Almost. Almost. Yeah, almost. Not, quite. not to be. Uh, it does seem like one other thing we can learn from this is that folks don't really think Paul George is coming back anytime soon. He went he went at pick 111. Um, did go in front of a fully healthy Russell Westbrook, though, so at least there's that. <laughs> Poor Russ. Um, and that's probably about what we can glean in kind of a first quick pass here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was, as I said, it was just an interesting exercise um, I think we are going to play this out or, or just let it play out. I don't know whether we'll actually go in and make trades or um, pick up players off waivers or whether we'll just let it sit like it is now. But right. it will be interesting to see because this is a smaller sample size. So it will be interesting to see how accurate or how inaccurate our projections were for where for where players finish um, at the end of the season. Let there be trash talk. That's what I want here from this point on. Uh, Adam, thanks, my man. This was a really cool idea. I'm glad we got to to break it down. Something something new, something different. Not a not just a box score show. He is the marvelous Adam King at Adam King. And then the number is 91 on Twitter. Follow him immediately. Sir, I'll talk to you in a week or two, yeah? 
yeah, we'll we'll see how we go. I'm back, yeah, back in the office next week, but the Wednesday when we normally do this, my time is my day at home, so I'm a little less stressed and not rushing out the door, so I can normally <laughs> fire off a podcast Beautiful. Uh, before I start my day. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, sir. No worries. Thanks. My good buddy, Adam King. I like that. Came up with a fun idea, executed it mid-season. Good stuff. Something a little different to dive into than just reviewing a couple of box scores. Want to remind everybody, of course, to check out our friends at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up. And that's not to mean, like, use a broom handle to keep your body from falling down. Prop up with prop bets at thrivefantasy.com. All you need to know is what the superstars are doing. You got 20 to pick from. You make your call on 10. And if you make the call on the most or more, it's a majority thing. It's not a one person wins it all. Of your calls, you win cash. Go there now. Thrivefantasy.com. Use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up. Get 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. Or... And I've suggested this before. Drop 10 bucks in there with the promo code. You get an extra $10 on the deposit match and two $20 contest entry vouchers. So you get into the $20 tournaments for a couple of days. It's basically $60 worth of play for a $10 deposit over at thrivefantasy.com. If you're feeling wild, you can go 100 bucks and you get four contest entry vouchers. Four plus the $100 deposit match as well. Again, promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Visit thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app available on iTunes and the Google Play Android store, said the guy who doesn't have an Android phone and always messes up the nomenclature. Uh, I didn't think there was a whole lot of stuff to talk about on yesterday's box scores, so that's why we focused so much on this new thing going forward. But very quickly here, don't punt on Nerland's Noel anytime he gets 29 minutes uh, long-term or even medium-term. That's a big, fat win, so don't abandon ship there. Kemba Walker is someone else's headache, and of course that makes Alec Burks kind of someone else's headache, unless you're willing to hold on and just start him when he goes. Larry Markinen out, at least we would think, for a couple of weeks, so Kevin Love is going to be really good. The thing I'm debating with Cleveland is whether or not to deal with Isaac Okoro or Dean Wade. I think Wade is the more interesting fantasy player. He takes more three-pointers. He can rebound a little bit. Uh, The other stuff is somewhat questionable. He's a low-usage dude, but if he's really going to play 35 minutes, he has the stat set to get there. So watch list on Dean Wade. If he looks good again in another ballgame without Markkinen, then I'll go pick him up. New Orleans is resting everybody tonight, so I don't even want to think about what's going on in that ballgame. Indiana... They rested everybody then, other than Karis LeVert, and that's going to be the case here going forward. Uh, Torrey Craig was a little better. Still not great. I was hoping for more rebounds in 30 minutes, and I think that'll probably come around. But he hit some threes, got himself a block. Not worried about that. Duarte should be good here in the near term. Not buying in on the Dwayne Washington thing. Goga has problems. He was in foul trouble again, although I don't know that that's necessarily going to stop anytime soon. He'll have a big one in the tank, but just remember all the ones you're averaging the big one with. He's still, he's startable. I mean, I don't want to take that away. Goga's startable right now, but just, again, understand that there are big problems with his fantasy game that we tried to talk about on this show. And Karis LeVert, he's going to take 20 to 25 shots a game with everybody out. Um, I still kind of like Justin Holiday too. I know this wasn't a good ball game for him, but I'm not totally giving up yet. Chicago... 
Uh, resting DeMar DeRozan, they just did slip by. Io, big ball game. That's why we said, hang on, see what develops here as the Bulls start to get a few guys back. No Lonzo for a while now, but if DeMar comes back and uh, DeSumo stops doing things, fine, then you move along, but this is why you don't punt in advance on something like that. Uh, and then in the late ball game, we got to look at Utah without Hassan Whiteside, without Donovan Mitchell, without everybody. They sort of schedule lost this ball game. Don't read too much into the other guys because they rested everybody. Uh, I'm assuming Donovan Mitchell back relatively soon. Gobert is hoping to get back within a week. That would surprise me. So Whiteside is a stream. Uh, then we kind of have to wait and see who the hell is playing besides him. But I think Ingles and Clarkson should probably be streamable as well. Uh, depending on who's out. That's the big thing. Jay Crowder, uh, injured wrist. We talked about Cam Johnson being a really easy stream anytime Crowder is out, so make sure he's not floating around on any waiver wires. And Bismack Biombo is the winner at the center position. Make sure he's not on any wires, at least until DeAndre Ayton comes back. That is your Tuesday show. We zipped through the uh, day of information after our good buddy Adam's segment was complete. Um, hoping to talk to Jonas Nader at some point later this week. We'll try to get the, the scheduling figured out on that front. Uh, if not then, then next time around. But I know he's got some stashes up his sleeve, so we can promo that a little bit on the show. A uh, lot of really interesting tweets that I've been getting replies to on the recruiting front. Uh, we are recruiting for a sales position in or around Northern California. That one is an in-person type deal. I know, weird in this day and age, but hit me up if you're interested in that. If you're interested in learning about blurbing at Sports Ethos, hit me up on Twitter. Or if you just want to talk shop, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, at AdamKing91. Adam was our guest on today's program. And of course, Sports Ethos's fantasy feed, which cleared 7,000 yesterday and just zooming day after day, piling up new Twitter follows. That is at EthosFantasyBK. Go follow all that stuff now. And, uh, you know, if you're not on, here's the thing. If you're not on social media, you do need to be a little bit careful. But, because um, there's a lot of crap. But if you can just follow the things you're supposed to, then you're golden. So, I've given you a few on today's show. Go do that. Tomorrow, back at you. If we have a guest, we have a guest. We don't know yet. It's in flux. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.